Hello and welcome to Weekly MTG. We have an incredible show today because today is your first look at Kamigawa Neon Dynasty coming up in February. But we're talking about it today and I have two of the people behind the set alongside me, uh, virtually speaking. I've got Grace Fong and Mark Rosewater. Uh, Grace, why don't you start out by telling everyone what your role was with Kamigawa Neon Dynasty? Hey, so on Neon Dynasty, I was one of the narrative designers. Um, so I was working with the other narrative designers to kind of do the outline for the story and get all the web fiction for you guys to read so that you could be welcomed into this uh, set that we have. Yeah. Mark? Uh, I was the lead uh, vision designer and exploratory designer. So I led those two teams and it was my team's job to go, what exactly is this set? Because when we started, as you'll hear, we'll tell the story today, but we didn't quite know what it was when we started, so. Yeah, and we are going to talk about what this set is, some stuff you can expect, some cool cards. We have previews. We're going to show you some new cards. We're going to show you some new art. We've got a lot of cool stuff lined up. Uh, first, let's talk about some important dates we have coming up so you know when to start looking for things. So on January 11th, we're going to come back with a... Kamigawa Creative Roundtable that is going to have a bunch of cool people talking about the story and setting and how Kamigawa came to be. Uh, we're going to follow that up with some short histories, filling in a lot of the gaps in the last 1,200 years uh, and the storyline between when we originally visited Kamigawa. Then you're going to get all of the Kamigawa fiction on January 24th to 26th before we even get to previews, which are going to start in earnest on January 27th. Mark your calendars, Kamigawa, we were leading story heavy this time, and uh, there's gonna be a reason for that because there's some pretty exciting stuff that happens that we, we don't wanna spoil in the cards. But we will get to that. First, uh, 1200 years is a long time, so we're gonna take a look at some of the stuff uh, visually that Kamigawa has to offer. Uh, and we're gonna start by showing off some art that's going to kind of look familiar, but obviously has a little bit of, little bit of change to it. So let's throw up the first piece of art, which is of Ganjo Seat of the Empire. So Grace, tell us why this is important, what we're looking at, all of that. So, even though 1200 years have passed, the uh, Imperials still have a strong presence here in Kamigawa. And Aiganjo is the, um, is the seat of their headquarters. So the Imperial Court is here. This is where the Emperor lives. This is where the Imperials have their academy and where they train um, the people who will be going through Kamigawa and helping uh, maintain order. This art is from one of our uh, partners over in Kogoro. Um, we have a lot of awesome Japanese artists working on this set with us. Uh, tell us a little bit more about Kogoro. So Kogoro is a, uh, was a partner for um, the Mystical Archive, I believe. Mm -hmm. And they are a Japanese art studio that works with artists who do manga, uh, video game illustration, a bunch of different products there. And they help us find people that can interpret our cards in a brand new style so that we can expand um, 
the types of art that is available on magic cards. All right. And then uh, I'm, I'm assuming they helped us with this next one then as well, which is Boseju, a name that's also going to sound familiar, who endures. So what do we see here? What's special about Boseju? Yes. So this is one of the uh, Kokoro cards. Boseju is the uh, biggest tree in what remains of the Jukai forest. Essentially, as the 1200 years passed, lots and lots of urbanization occurred. People started encroaching on the Jukai forest and Boseju, um, the magical tree in the center of the forest, basically refused to be outgrown by the skyscrapers. It grew every single time a new building was raised, it would grow even higher until it is still the highest point in uh, Tawashi, the main city of uh, Kamigawa. Okay. Uh, the next piece of art is one that some of you may have seen already today, uh, but we wanted to talk a little bit about this. This is the key art for the set. And Grace, what are we looking at here? So as you can see, the five dragons are back. So some of you know, they probably, they probably know that they, uh, a number of them passed away during the Kami War, but you uh, as one of in one of those uh, saga stories that you're going to see, um, then you will get an explanation of how they were reborn and worked with each other to continue being protectors of Kamigawa. Okay, and these are not strictly the same dragons reborn. They're they're a little bit different, aren't they? Yes. So once. Um, when a number of them passed away during the Kami War, Ryusei was the only one that survived. And Ryusei took it upon themselves to uh, bring back Jugen, the, uh, the dragon who had been protecting the monks of Jukai. And together they worked to bring back the other three um, in new reborn forms. So what you're seeing here is the rebirth of the old magic of Kamigawa within the modern era. Okay, and we are actually going to preview one of these a little bit later in the stream. Uh, next up, we, we saw this a little bit uh, in the teaser trailer, which actually we skipped over. Uh, so let's, let's take a look at the set symbol, and then we're going to show uh, the teaser trailer again. So the set symbol that you will see on all of the Kamigawa cards right there. That's it. That's it. It's a set symbol. Uh, now what we're going to do is we're going to take a look. We, we showed a little bit of a teaser video earlier today. Uh, we're going to show that again here just in case you missed it. And then we're going to maybe talk a little bit about uh, the hidden Easter egg in it.
that was the teaser we dropped earlier today, and a bunch of internet sleuths started trying to piece together. If, if you caught it, there's a little glitch in there, and you can see pieces of a card that we are going to show in a moment. Before we do that, uh, we do have some packaging to show that has actually one of the characters from that glitch on it. So let's look at some of the packaging. Not all of it. We're holding some back that has some uh, sort of spoilery stuff, but if you look on the left over there, that character is going to look pretty familiar on the pre-release and draft pack uh, if you were able to piece together the glitch images. And that character is none other than Kaito Shizuki, which if you're looking down at the bottom of the screen, you'll see is our next topic. So uh, let's put up Kaito's card. Now we're showing you two versions. There is a third version of that. We'll get to this in a moment, but this is Kaito Shizuki, a black and blue for one blue and a black planeswalker named Kaito. Three loyalty at the beginning of your end step. If Kaito Shizuki entered the battlefield this turn, he phases out. Plus one, draw a card, then discard a card unless you attacked this turn. Minus two, create a 1-1 one, one blue ninja creature token with this can't, creature can't be blocked. Minus seven, you get an emblem with whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, search your library for a blue or black creature card, put it on the battlefield, then shuffle. Mark, this card says ninja on it. It does. <laughs> Um, uh, we had been wanting, one of our wish lists for a long time was to do a Ninja Planeswalker. We thought that would be a really cool idea. And this seemed like the perfect opportunity to do that. And it's a set that has ninjas in it and it plays really well with ninjas. So for ninja fans out there, there's lots of ninja goodies coming your way. Um, and he's a fun card. We made use of phasing to sort of, uh, do a sort of cool, uh, like he's, he's hard to kill on your opponent's turn cause he's not there. And so there's, there's a lot of fun things with this card, and he's he works really well with the ninja, I'll say that. All right. Uh, how much work did you all put into designing? Because it's got a very different kind of design. Um, where did this phasing thing come from, for example? Well, we've, we've sort of brought phasing back as something that we, um, you know, we do from time to time as a way to sort of... Um, get rid of things that have them come back in a way that's clean. And so sometimes we flicker slash blink things. Sometimes we now phase things. Uh, but it was a neat way. But like We wanted this to be a, a character that was hard to attack, but could attack him. You know, we let, let to a deck that wanted to attack a lot. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a, it was a neat way to sort of capture this ninja flavor of, you know, hiding in the shadows that you, you can't find them. And we thought it was just a neat, a neat flavorful way to sort of represent our, our ninja planeswalker. All right, and, and Grace, who is Kaito? Because this is a completely new character. Oh man, I love Kaito. So first, uh, there's um, going to be a lot of web fiction where you two can also um, learn about Kaito. But essentially, Kaito was an orphan who grew up in the Imperial Court. And then an accident happened in his childhood involving a man with a metal arm. Um, and that this upset him so much that he left his uh his life behind and went into the uh went into the city and became a ninja trying to search for answers and while he was there he uh had a, another adventure <laughs> which <laughs> is available for you to read right now and he became a planeswalker by coming in contact with himoto the kami of the spark who now lives in um the mechanized 
uh, origami tanuki robot that he can be seen with. We worked with a lot of cultural consultants to um, get the, to kind of really bring a level of um, realism and authenticity to Kaito's world um, and kind of make him a really relatable, fun character who, yeah, even if he doesn't necessarily agree with all the rules, is still very likable. I really encourage you to read the fiction when it becomes available in January or even now. Yeah, we've got two of the origin stories up for Kaito today. Uh, chat wants to know more about this Kami of the Spark. What What's going on with that little pet on his shoulder? Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, so essentially, uh, Himoto was, um, she selected her own name. You can read about that in the web fiction. A lot of the answers um, are actually available to you online <laughs> right now, and I would heavily encourage you to read them. But she essentially decides that because that Kaito is her friend, and she does want to stick with him and help him travel across the multiverse as he's looking for answers. All right. Uh, so now the other thing I want to point out about this is you'll notice that, uh, so there were two versions of Kaito there. There is a third version. Uh, our Japanese team is going to be revealing that third version later today. It's super cool. Um, it's got yet another piece of new art um, done by, I believe, a Japanese artist uh, that's, that's pretty well known. And so we'll, uh, we'll see more of that around 8 p.m. tonight from our, our Japanese team. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, but coming up, we still have several previews to go. Um, I will note, chat, that we are going to do, you'll see at the bottom down there, we are going to do a Q&A session at the end. Now, this is a, a bit of a, a preview event, kind of a taste of Kamigawa. Um, so we may not be able to answer everything, but if you want some clarity on something we said earlier, um, or you just have questions about Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, uh, that, that's when we'll answer them. Uh, if you put them in chat now, I'm probably going to miss them, but we'll, we'll certainly come back to them. Uh, anyway, let's get to a few pretty, pretty spicy previews. Wait, before we get a preview, yes. can I tell the story? About you what? Yes, you wanted to tell this story of how the set came to be. Let's hear it, Mark. I love okay, story time so, with Mark. <laughs> story time with Mark. So basically, we back in 2004, uh, was the, our first top-down block we ever did was Champions of Kamigawa, uh, and that block was not a huge success. From I mean, it, you know, there's, for a lot of reasons, it didn't do too well. Um, but over the years, it has grown sort of to become a fan favorite. Um, it was the first place we really blew legends out, and the, the popularity of Commander really made the legendary theme really, really popular. And there's just a lot about it that people really liked. So on my blog, my the number one request that I got on my blog was, we want to go back to Kamigawa. That was a very frequent uh, you know, franchise player request. Um, meanwhile, in, at Wizards, we talked about, you know, if we had to do all over again, if we could start from scratch, could we maybe make a more exciting Japanese world than what we had done in Kamigawa? And so we had talked about maybe we wanted to not do Kamigawa and just do a, a completely different Japanese, you know, inspired world. And so when we started this project, uh, what I had said to everybody was, okay, we're not going to say whether this is Kamigawa or not. We're just going to make a really cool Japanese world. And then down the road, we'll figure out whether or not it's Kamigawa. Let's just make a cool Japanese world. 
So we started on that path and exploratory um, world building really made this really cool cyberpunk world. And it was, it was really a neat thing to do. Uh, it played into a lot of fun pop cultural Japanese tropes that, that we hadn't done last time we'd been in Kamigawa. And it was a really neat world. But I knew it wanted to be Kamigawa. The audience really wanted Kamigawa. And, you know, there's a lot of fun things from original Kamigawa. So we were talking in vision design about what what's the conflict of the world. Like every world wants an inherent conflict. And because it's Japanese inspired, we wanted a very Japanese, you know, theme conflict. And what we realized was there's a perfect one that answered our problem because we didn't know, do we do cyberpunk? Do we do original Kamigawa? What do we do? And the answer was both. And here's how we did it. Um, one of the main themes you see in Japanese pop culture is modernity versus tradition. Japanese, they, they love new technology. There's a lot of technology there. But in the same sense, there's a real honor of tradition that goes on. And so there's this conflict in Japanese society of this modernity versus tradition. And that it's a very common theme you see in a lot of Japanese stories and Japanese pop culture. So we decided to make that our conflict. What if half the set was brand new cyberpunk Japan? And what if half the set was very old, much akin to what you might remember of old Kamigawa? And we had that be the conflict. And then we found a really clever way, which I can't explain today, but we mechanically identified each part and gave them some mechanical sort of definition. And then the set is both new Kamigawa. If you like the cyberpunk stuff, half the set is that. If you really enjoyed Champions of Kamigawa and old Kamigawa Black, half the set is that. There's a real merit of, you know, the world has some really new and exciting di different things, but also a lot of traditional things that you'll remember from Kamigawa from, you know, 1,200 years ago when, when last we visited. Now, Grace, Mark mentioned the 1,200 years bit there. How how did you all arrive at that sort of timing? Was it this is where we wanted the story to be set and that's what the time was? Or, or how did you arrive at that time frame? That's a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I wasn't there personally for this, but I think I, it was kind of a decision. I can this one, actually. Oh, you can? <laughs> Take it, please, Mark. Yeah. When we were an original Kamigawa, most people don't realize is it was set in the past. Champions of Kamigawa was not set in present day. I mean, back when, you know, in 2004, it wasn't set in present day. We'd wanted to tell the story and we wanted a certain feel to it. So we specifically set it in the past. And then there's the character that came to Dominaria. So like there's elements of that story showed up in more modern day. Um, but the, the, what we're visiting right now, the, the Neon Dynasty is present day Kamigawa. And... Kamigawa from Chanta Kamigawa was even when we told the story was set way in the past. So mm -hmm. that that's why there's a long gap of time was that Champions was set in the past. It wasn't modern day match even when it came out. Yeah. And uh, Grace, what was that connection? Like, so th this is my prompt. Talk about the Umazawas um, because that, that sort of is sort of the name through line. And for anyone who read the story this morning, the name gets dropped again. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so obviously, um, if you're familiar with old Kamigawa, Toshiro Umazawa was a very notable <laughs> notable figure who um, had influence across multiple planes, right? And one of those planes being his home plane of Kamigawa. So Umazawa is a, um, he, like, those pe the people who took after him, either his immediate relatives or people who um, just wanted to be like him um they started to their own the, uh 
they evolved and like created their own gangs essentially within this uh modern times Mm. so like they maintain that feeling of tradition by like having the uh the piety and association with each other and with Mm -hmm. that name and you can see uh his latest um successor in the web fiction that went up today Mm -hmm. working with kaito yeah Uh, also from a magic history standpoint uh the first umizawa actually showed up in legends which was the third ever magic expansion tetsuo umizawa was the first umizawa we ever met uh but he was on dominaria so there's a whole story of how did he end up in dominaria but um, we, we met his ancestors in Champions of Kamigawa, and then mm-hmm. we, we meet his, uh, whatever, uh, lineage later on. So we, we, there's a lot of Umazawas that we have met over here. And that Umazawa is connected to Nicol Bolas in a, in a really big way, and so it's, it's all connected. Um, okay, let's start showing some more previews. Uh, Kaito was kind of a preview, but uh, some people pieced it together before this. Uh, So we promised one of the dragons, so let's meet the first of our dragons, Atsushi the Blazing Sky, a 4-4 legendary creature dragon spirit for 2 and 2 red with flying and trample. And when Atsushi the Blazing Sky dies, choose one, you get to exile the top two cards of your library until the end of your next turn. You may play those cards or create three treasure tokens. So, uh, Mark, what uh, what were you going for with, with this card and, and the other dragons? So, one of the challenges of this set has been we wanted to make as much throwbacks as we could to original Kamigawa, but one of the problems with original Kamigawa, you know... It, the mechanics were not the high point of, of original Kamigawa. And so there's not a lot of things we wanted to bring back, but we we really said, what are the cool things? What were the neat mechanical things that original Kamigawa Black did do? And one of which was the dragon cycle, that there was a cycle of these dragon spirits, and when they died, they had a powerful effect. So we knew we wanted to bring them back. We wanted to update them. So what we did is, once again, you have these powerful dragons that, that all fly, and um, when they die, but instead of one effect, you now have a choice between two effects. So it's it's bringing it back, but putting a, a, a little twist on it. All right. And and Grace, it it looks like um, the art on the extended version is special as well. Um. Yeah, you could see uh, some of the some of the uh, different cities within. Um, a, another location, Sokenzan, um, in the background there. I'm pretty sure that this was actually painted traditionally, like with oil paint, mm. um, which is part of the thing that blows my mind with this specific card. <laughs> but yeah, Atsushi is the direct descendant of Ryusei, who um, started that plan to bring all the dragons back mm-hmm. through rebirth, which is a major, which go, uh, connects into the mechanic of. Um, essentially releasing power when dying mm-hmm. and into our into our even larger theme of the tradition versus modernity. It's like this uh, cycle of death and rebirth is part of the advancement of society. Okay. And, and Mark, this seems like a pretty obvious question, but we'll throw it out there anyway. Is this part of a cycle? It is part of a cycle. Uh, <laughs> we couldn't do a cycle of dragons. I mean, we couldn't do dragons without doing a cycle of dragons, so yeah, mm-hmm. this is part of a cycle. All right. That all work. They all die, and you have two choices. That that you know, obviously, they work the same way. All right. Not the same two choices, but two choices. 
All right, uh, next up, let's show off Hidetsugu Devouring Chaos. We're gonna have a lot to unpack with this one, but first let's talk about the card. It is a 4-4 legendary creature, Ogre Demon. Uh, Hidetsugu Devouring Chaos costs three to black. It has black, sacrifice a creature to scry two. And then for two red and tap it, you can exile the top part of your library. You may play this card this turn. When you exile a non-land card this way, uh, Hidetsugu deals damage equal to the exiled card's mana value to any target. Um, so first of all, Grace, tell us who is Hidetsugu and why should we care? <laughs> so this is in fact the same Hidetsugu from 1200 years ago. Uh, Unlike the dragons who were reborn and the Umazabas who are descendants or successors of the people that you know from the previous sets, the, uh, Hidetsugu actually um, consumed the Oni that he worshipped, hence giving him the uh, ogre demon creature type, <laughs> and basically became a mystical being in himself. And so now he's still running around causing the same kind of chaos that he was known for even back then. All right. And, and you'll notice that there is the, what we're calling the soft glow treatment on the right. That's one of the booster fun treatments that you're going to see throughout the set. There are a number of cards that have that treatment. Uh, Hidetsugu has a special treatment, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, but first, Mark, tell us about the mechanics on Hidetsugu. Well, like I said, I, I, I can't talk too much about, uh, this card is made to be synergistic with other things going on in the set. And um, one of the things that we wanted to do when we came back to Kamigawa was um, I had asked my blog, like, if we return to Kamigawa, what's the most important thing? Uh, and the number one answer was the the races, all the creature types that the cha uh, champions of Kamigawa had sort of introduced to the game and all, all the cool stuff that we had done. And so demons were part of that. Um, a lot of your favorites are back. So things you loved about original Kamigawa, a lot of those races are back. You know, you'll see we did a lot of fun things with them, but one of the things that we were trying really hard to balance is take things that were lovable that people loved about Kamigawa, original Kamigawa, but then sort of update them and do cool things. And like, once you see the whole set, this card has a lot of nice synergies. It's part of a cool draft strategy. And there's a lot of things going on that you can do with this card. And um, the legendary theme was an important part of original Kamigawa. So it, there is a, there's a legendary theme that runs through this stat, and there's a, there's a decent amount of legends. Um, mm -hmm. We knew people would expect some fun legends. Here's a good example of a fun legend to build around. Uh, and so, you know, the, the, the set is really trying to marry a lot of the lovable old things of Kamigawa with a lot of new things that we can do. And so there's a lot of mixing of old and new. That's the theme, old and new mixing together. <laughs> Um, all right, so Hidetsugu also has a special uh, set of cards that are we're calling uh, Neon Ink. So there are four of these. This is only for Hidetsugu. So here's the deal with these. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this because there's a lot going on here. Uh, so there's these four uh, cards. They are a Neon Ink treatment. It's exclusive to these four versions of Hidetsugu. It uses a new-to-magic foiling process that is meant to make the card feel like it's actually glowing neon. So, here's how you get each of these cards. Uh, they are going to be pretty rare. So, fewer than 1% of collector boosters. These are uh, Three of these are collector booster exclusives. The blue, the green, the red are collector booster exclusives. 
Fewer than 1% of boosters are going to contain a neon ink card. Their rarities are basically left to right. So blue is the most likely to find down to red is the least likely to find and uh, the frequency is about halved with each one uh, starting there. The yellow one is actually going to be available as a promotional card through WPN Premium local game stores. So if you're not able to get one of the blue, green, or red ones through a collector boosters, local game stores are going to have promos in the yellow. Uh, and, and these are really cool in person. Uh, it's, it's hard to do the, the glowing neon feel on the screen, but they're going to be very cool. Again, this is only for these uh, special Hidetsugu versions, but they will be available in collector boosters. All right. Uh, now, what we're going to do, so we have a little bit of time, so we are going to answer some questions. Um, and maybe if someone asks the right question, it'll result in another preview. Um, so I'm going to try to keep up with chat. Chat's moving pretty quick right now. It would help if you tag it at magic with your question. Uh, we are only answering questions about Kamigawa Neon Dynasty at this point. Uh, I know you all have lots of questions about lots of things. Uh, but we're going to, oh my God, Chad, it's moving really fast. Um, we'll try to answer as many questions as we can. I saw one that said, hi. Um, bu -bu 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 -bu. All right. So there's, there's a bunch of questions about, like, are we getting X? We're probably not going to be able to answer those questions. So I can all of them. All Maybe. Of them. Maybe. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Um, okay. Here's a question we might be able to answer. Um, what was the, and, and this is for both of you, what was the hardest part about returning to Kamigawa? Uh, I can go first. Sure. Um, sure. One of the challenges mechanically is original Kamigawa is not the high point of magic design. Uh, there were a lot of mistakes made. <laughs> it was a very parasitic set. And there's a lot of things. So in trying to do the new set, we, we did what we can to sort of get elements of the old set, but there's not a lot of mechanics brought back. I'm not saying none, but uh, there's a lot more of us um, riffing off ideas and concepts and cycles. Like there's a lot of, you'll see old Kamigawa mechanically in the new Kamigawa, but it, it, it is not, there was not a lot of things to bring back whole cloth. Um, so there's definitely a lot of inspirations and a lot of things you'll see this inspired that. Um, but it was a really tricky set in that there wasn't just all these mechanics to bring back because there were a lot of challenges with some of the mechanical definition in original Kamigawa. All right, Grace? We have actually kind of like a similar challenge on the creative side. Um, I think our biggest challenge was like balancing that old new effect. And we kind of solved that by essentially asking ourselves this aspect of the original Kamigawa, how would it have evolved over this time period? How would that Kami magic still be there? Would this Kami still be around doing the same thing? And so we ended up being able to um, put in a lot of references to characters and creatures from uh, that people would have been familiar with. And it's kind of like revisiting your old friends like a little later to see what they're up to, what they're up to now. Um, and this gave us also a way to introduce people to Kamigawa by adding in a more modern understanding of Japanese popular culture as well. So 
um, actually the old versus new became old and new to actually create something even cooler. Cool. Um, we have a, a specific question about Kaito from Mark. A uh, question from Mark, doesn't Kaito's new passive get rid of the main downfall of Planeswalkers in that he can't be attacked? If we can put Kaito back up on the screen, Sean. I mean, I, 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 part of the idea is we wanted to make a, a, a Planeswalker that worked a little bit differently. Yeah, yes, mm. we made a Planeswalker that sort of helps with one of the general weaknesses of Planeswalkers. But, hey, you know, we make a lot of Planeswalkers, so well, we if, made and one if, that... that if yeah. I'm not mistaken, he only phases out because phasing doesn't trigger entering the battle. I could be wrong about this. It doesn't trigger enter the battlefield. Oh, so he only phases correct. out one time. The turn you cast him, yeah. he'll phase out. But then after that, that doesn't trigger again uh, unless you find a way to blink him or something like that. You're, you're, you're correct, right. That, 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 the card only makes it phase out one time. Mm -hmm. But other cards could help you fa phase him out because obviously there's other ways maybe in the set to do stuff like that. Okay. Uh, next question, probably from Mark. Uh, does this set have more legends than the average premier set? Uh, it is above average on legendary creatures because there is a legendary theme in the set, yes. Okay. Uh, when do we find out how the yellow Hidetsugu will specifically be distributed? Should we look out for a WPN article? So there's actually on uh, dailymtg.com, at the conclusion of this show, uh, there's going to be the, the language I was parroting and reading a little bit came directly from that article. So there is going to be an article that talks about how all the, uh, the neon ink ones are available, uh, as well as some other stuff that we have covered or are about to cover. Um, duh, 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 duh. All right, how about, how about this question? Someone asked the right question. Yeah, it's, it's time. It's time. Are there going to be full art lands? Grace, are there going to be full art lands? Uh, Blake, I guess maybe we should show them. We, I think we can show them. All right. Oh, so, they're so pretty. They're so pretty. All right. These are so gorgeous. Like, I freaked out whenever I saw them. So, as I mentioned before, we worked with Kogaru to um, work with a lot of Japanese artists. And so, one of these things that we worked with them on was creating full art basic lands for you mm -hmm. and they are inspired by the ukiyo-e style of painting as well as our old versus new theme so we have one cycle of the traditional beautiful natural world uh like uh what is it natural landscapes mm -hmm. of all of kamigawa and on the others we have the different urban centers that represent each of the colors mm -hmm. so we just saw Iganjo and um so kenzan otawara um and because they're so beautiful the art takes up like the vast like it's 90 percent of the card it does it sells the whole thing for you basically <laughs> these are just absolutely beautiful mm -hmm. and i love them so much <laughs> yeah the story i love to tell is when chris rush that the artist who did um black lotus and, and worked on early magic he first pitched full art lands and the response was, why would anybody ever want those? Oops. This <laughs> was correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are amazing. So there's two of each. Um, okay, and then I've seen a couple comments slash questions about how you get these. So, you can get them in draft, set, and 
collector boosters in both traditional foil and in non-foil. So in draft and set boosters, one out of uh, roughly one out of every 30 or one third of draft and set boosters will contain one of these lands. And then every collector booster is going to contain one foil of one of these. So yes, you, you can absolutely get these in basically any pack. Yeah, these are amazing. Okay, thanks to the person who asked the correct question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see what other questions. Um, let's see, the soft glow treatment, what kind of cards get that treatment? Uh, a variety of cards. It's not a um, specific category. There are a couple of frames that do have specific categories. Um, we saw the ninja frame on Kaito. That is one of the frames. The soft glow uh, was applied to a lot of cool cards. Um, all right, Grace, this is a question for you. Um, let's see. So you, you can talk about uh, kind of any sort of older lore, probably. So I love the lore of Kamigawa. Uh, Kitsune and Natsumi are some of my favorite tribes. I know you can't share much, but could you please share any world-building trivia about them? Any little snippet that you can maybe share for people? I can tell you that you're going to see a variety of, uh, of the peoples of Kamigawa. They're still around, then you'll definitely be introduced to them very soon. Mm -hmm. um, for all the people asking about samurai... You'll just have to wait and see. Uh, will there be other cards with the... Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Could be anything. Uh, uh, let's see. Will there be other cards with the neon ink treatment? No, the neon ink treatment is specifically for that hit at Sugu. Uh, da, 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 da. Mm -mm -mm. Can we discuss anything related to Kamigawa Commander? Uh, Kamigawa Commander, we're not showing off anything from that today. There are two decks, and uh, we will be, once we hit the debut, we'll be showing off those face cards and kind of doing our normal preview cycle with those, showing off the full decks uh, after the full set is previewed. Yeah, the, the same people that do, that do the decks that the decks for the set, and there's, lot, there's lots of cool things we can't tell you. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to race through a couple of these and just give the, the answer we're going to give for a lot of these. How many alternate frames are in the set? You'll have to wait and see. Uh, uh why is, uh, oh, let's see. Will there be reprints of cards from classic Kamigawa? You'll have to wait and see. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. are we getting the Tanuki as its own creature or is it purely for the Planeswalker? You'll have to wait and see. Are there shrines? You'll have to wait and see. I'm going to get repetitive, but you get the idea. Um, which, totally get. We want to see, but let's see if we can. Are there more previews there? Like, uh, yeah, please. Of us are more. Sure. Um, we were well aware when making this set that there are a lot of fans of original Kamigawa. And so, 
And the, a lot of the people working on the set were fans of original Kamigawa. Mm -hmm. uh, Daniel, who was like the biggest Kamigawa fan, I think, in all of R&D, worked on the set. Possibly and, and the, the world, set, yeah. Um, anyway, the not everything will be here, but a lot of cool things. We definitely, if you love elements, we did a lot to sort of make nods and Easter eggs. And there are a, there's a lot packed in the set for fans of original Kamigawa. And, mm -hmm. by the way, if the other part of the set that we should talk about, too, is uh, the sort of the modern part of the set, we really dived into uh, pop, like Japanese pop culture tropes, things that we just didn't do last time when we were in Kamigawa. So they're like, if you love like sort of Japanese pop culture and original Kamigawa didn't do a lot of that, the other half of the set does do that. So there's the, just like there's a lot of cool stuff for the old time Kamigawa fans, there's a lot of really cool stuff for the, hey, I love cyberpunk, or there's a lot of themes that I love woven through Japanese stories. Yeah, that we're going like to see. We we're we're gonna too. yeah we're gonna definitely dive into that. So the, let's put the uh, dates back up on the screen, producer Sean, if we can. Uh, so that that creative roundtable on January 11th. If if you're interested in any of that, any of the behind the scenes world building for Kamigawa, how it came together, uh, we're gonna answer actually a lot of these questions about um, different groups that are still on Kamigawa or gone. A lot of that's going to be answered then. The short histories will work through a lot of that. The fiction obviously will as well. Uh, so definitely mark your calendars if the story and the lore and the world of Kamigawa, which is really resonant, uh, resonates with you. Um, I do, let's see, there are also a couple questions about the ukiyo-e uh, basic lands, and so we'll just clarify a couple things on that. Uh, will we get the English basics in English boosters too? Yes. So these are in, um, they are, they have Japanese on them, but they are the version of these lands that will show up in all language boosters. So whatever language booster you have, you will get those versions. Uh, so are they full art only in Japanese? Yes, the, the writing on them is only in Japanese, but you can get them in any language booster. The, the writing is part of the art, by the way, just, just to be more clear, yep. that the, 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 the words of the name of the card in Japanese are literally part of the art. They're not a separate element of the card. Yep. Um, I think we can answer this one, Grace, because um, it, it is part of that conflict between the old and the new, and, and it's a question a lot of people have. How does magic work on Kamigawa? Um, I see that there's a lot of high-tech simulation effect. So can you talk a little bit about the relation between technology and magic on Kamigawa? So basically, um, as the years progressed, the um, things kind of got more democratized. So essentially, magic used to be restricted to Kami, right? And as time moved forward, um, people developed ways to access magic without having to go through these kami and magic became part of one's everyday life like that essentially there is no technology in kamigawa without magic which is personally why i absolutely love this plane is because that fantasy core is still there like the technology is not like electricity or something it's magic that's driving it underneath the hood mm -hmm. right in, in a lot of stories uh you'll see technology and magic being opposites of each other that is not the case yeah. here. Our technology is run by magic. It's not a, a, it's not fighting with with magic. It is it is comes from magic. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, are there any Japanese pack exclusive cards like Planeswalkers and War? You'll have to wait and see. I don't want to keep saying that, um, but I do want to acknowledge some of these <laughs> questions. 
Um, uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Uh, oh, I'll answer this question. Can you explain why we are now 1,200 years in the uh, from the previous coming out and not the before-mentioned 10,000 years in the future? So... Way back when, when we, we first mentioned Kamigawa, we said 10,000, and it was just a mistake. It was, it was just straight up an error that we, we put out in the public. 1,200 years is the uh, correct distance between when we were last on Kamigawa and we're now on Kamigawa in story terms. Although it feels like it in real world terms, because I'm old. Yeah. Just to stress, this is modern day Kamigawa. Like mm -hmm. the, uh, and... Um, that, that hopefully you understand because there's been a lot of questions online about we've seen characters from Kamigawa, for example, in other places, and they don't necessarily look like the cyberpunk version, but that's because they might be from the traditional version. You know, the, the, the Kamigawa is not all the cyberpunk. There's a mm -hmm. lot of the traditional part there as well. So if you saw characters that are from Kamigawa and they looked more like tradition than from, than, you know, um, cyberpunk, that's why they're from that part of the world. Um, and then I'm just going to kind of blanket uh, answer all of the questions about the, the preview schedules. When are we going to see more cards? Uh, the debut date, January 27th, is uh, the day you want to circle on your calendar if you want to see new previews. Although, you know what? The holidays are coming up. We like you all. Maybe we'll do a little something. Maybe we'll do a little something. Um, let's see. Yeah, I, I don't want to keep repeating wait and see, so I'm trying to find a question that, that we that we actually can answer. No, they're, they're great questions. You know, there's a, there's obviously a lot of people who really care about Kamigawa and are invested in it, um, and I just, I don't want to keep saying wait and see. Um, so throw me a question, like, I'm really good at not answering questions. <laughs> uh Actually, no. You know what? You can't. An you can't answer this question. Uh, let's put Hidetsugu up on the screen. Uh, it's interesting. Hidetsugu can sacrifice itself. It seems weird that a demon would do that. Can you discuss the design choice here, Mark? You may or may not know the answer to that, but Hidetsugu. Uh, I mean, well, one of the things that we generally like normally, if you have to sacrifice a creature and it enhances the creature, we tend to say another creature because there's no reason other than to sacrifice for the sake of sacrificing it. Um, but this is a scry ability, so there might be a reason you'd want to sacrifice it me mechanically, that you'd want to sacrifice it to itself so that you could do the scry ability. Um, and so in this particular case, we lean toward mechanically gameplay, the better play. Um, would a demon sacrifice himself? I don't know. Demons do all sorts of things. Um, but it was better <laughs> gameplay. So you better gameplay. Yeah. I mean, narratively, he ate himself, kind of. Like... What he is now is because part of him ate another part of him earlier. So, <laughs> kind of works. Okay, so mechanically <laughs> and creatively, it's good. <laughs> um, here, we can answer this question. Uh, Mark, will cards from the new set play well with cards from the old set, for example, in a cube? Uh, I mean, there are things that will play together. I, I, I do want to stress to the audience, this is not... A lot of times we revisit worlds and it's like exactly like we come back to Zendikar or Innistrad or Ravnica and they play really, really similar to what it was when we were first there. This is not really that. Not that there's not overlapping themes. Not that you can't combine the two sets and have it play nicely. There are definitely themes that overlap. But this set is a little more a new thing with 
touches of mechanical elements that you can see the old set. So there are 100% decks you can build between the two, but it has to do with certain themes. Not every theme got carried over from the old set. So, yes, some themes will play together, some won't. Um, I, I just want the audience to understand this is not this is not like we revisited Kamigawa and it's exactly Kamigawa mechanically. There's a lot different mechanically. All right. Um, we can answer this. It's not going to give people much information, but it's a nice question. Uh, do you have a card you really love in this set? You don't have to say what it is. I'm like, I'm going to give oh, a non-answer. And it's like, yeah, it's the one that I set as my work computer wallpaper. There you go. <laughs> okay, so my favorite is there's a card I made in original Champions of Kamigawa block that we reference. And I love the original card that I made, and I love the reference. Oh, so, now someone's going back through your old articles to look at, like, what did Mark, well, what did Mark I, I design in the old... Have fun. <laughs> you know what? If, if you can find that, and you can figure out what the new card is, you know what? Congratulations. <laughs> you deserve it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. I, there's, there's someone who keeps asking about um, the increase in the rarity of the lands, and I just want to clarify. It's not... So you get one of the Ukiyo-A lands uh, in uh, roughly one-third of uh, draft and set boosters. Not one per... There is a land slot. You'll get basic yeah. land in the two out of three that aren't that. Yeah. And those basic lands are, are gorgeous as well. They're just in kind of a more normal style. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, Mark, when is your teaser for the set coming out? Uh, my teaser will be on January 24th. It's a Monday. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm still writing it, but uh, there's a lot of fun things to tease in the set. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, are there any previews that uh, have mechanics on them? So we very purposely didn't show anything uh, right now with set mechanics because with set mechanics, we then have to like explain the mechanics and talk about how the mechanic works. And we're going to do all of that in preview season on January 27th. So definitely be sure to tune in then. There are uh, mechanics. So what you're saying is wait there are the mechanics. There are yeah. mechanics <laughs> confirmed. I, I, here, I'll even tease one thing. There are both new and returning mechanics, I will say that. What? What? Uh, let's see. Uh, so there are, no another question, so there are non-full art lands. Yes, there are. Which are very pretty, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we're not showing them today, but we will show them eventually. Oh, uh, let's see. This is a long question. So, um, while Vic is reading... I just want to stress, by the way, having seen the art for this set, the, the oh my, the world team did such an amazing job. This set looks so beautiful. We're just giving you a little sampling. So when you see all the set, it's just, it's so gorgeous. This set is really, really pretty. Yep. Um, okay, so Grace, uh, you said this is current Kamigawa. So this is the version of Kamigawa that Tamiyo is native to, correct? Correct. Great. Yes, this, this version of Kamigawa is... Uh, temporally in line with most of our other points. Yeah. Okay, okay, and, okay. and yes, Tam Tamio is from Kamigawa. Yeah. Yeah. N now Kamigawa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> She's not a, like a time traveler. <laughs> that would add a completely new dimension to her character. Um, are there going to be two commander decks or four? There will be two. 
Grace, if you can answer this one. Uh, they're asking how, so we know it's 1,200 years after the previous Kamigawa, and it's in line with our current plans, but now they're asking you to get real specific. How long after War of the Spark is this set? <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm really bad at math. <laughs> and I can't the answer is not long, though, right? We're talking yeah. like years, not decades, probably. I can at least confirm yeah. that, you know, the people that were alive during that would, like, be alive now. Yeah. But exact number of years, like, months, seconds, like, somebody else on the team handles those calculations. <laughs> it, it is years, not decades. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, here's here's one. Uh, what is each of your favorite Kamigawa races? So, uh, you know, I, I know there are a lot of rat fans in chat. Personally, I, I like. I do like those. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm a moon folk. I'm a moon folk guy. Grace, y'all make me pick. Yeah, pick, <laughs> pick like, your age. It's like you, y'all are making me pick children here. Um, <laughs> I guess probably the Kitsune, um, just because that's kind of like the spirit that, like, when I was a kid, I grew up with, and I thought was the coolest when I was like four. Um, followed by the Orochi because the like there's a lot of like snake legends mm -hmm. that I really jived with as a kid coming out of like East Asian culture. Yeah. I uh, picked the Nizumi. I like the Nizumi. Yeah, Nizumi are pretty cool. A uh, lot of questions about the Wanderer, and I'll sum this up, sum them up with this question: Can we talk about the Wanderer? No. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Not to, not no. today, not today. Um, let's see. Uh, interesting question. I don't know if we have an answer for it, but I'll read it because it's interesting for you, Grace. Uh, it's a lore question. Is Kamigawa now the most technologically advanced plane in the multiverse? Mm, probably. I guess it depends on like how you view technologically advanced, right? Because if you mm -hmm. think of Kaladesh, like they have a lot, like Aether has given them ability to do a lot. Like is technologically advanced mean like access to technology via the common people or like how digital did things get? It is the most like, I'd say it's the most technologically similar to our world, but are we that advanced? That's like a deep existential question that I'd rather not go into right now. <laughs> that was a there are also a lot of worlds we haven't visited yet, right? So yeah, yeah. Yep. Let's see. I, I will say, in an alternate multiverse, there is a world that has uh, spaceships with a carnival on them. <laughs> we know what Mark's excited about. Um, uh, interesting question for Grace. We are we are almost out of time. I'm going to try to get to a couple more questions since we've got good questions in chat. Um, Grace, is the so now looking at Kamigawa from the present time? The War of the Kami was 1,200 years ago. So is that viewed in the present time as myth or real history? It is viewed as real history for sure, um, because like. In the from the lens of the Kamigawa and like 
the the condos were real people like they existed mm -hmm. and these kami are they're not magical mythical things they are like you will see so many kami interacting with um, people in this set because in this world they are a real given like this is the same way that we have animals and um except they have spirits and magic and this is what drives their world so this is actual history to them mm -hmm. cool uh let's see uh, uh, uh. see some questions about ninjas we're not going to get into that except for confirming that there are them um if you love ninjas you should like this set how about that yeah. yep <laughs> um those asking for more previews i don't have any i don't have any more previews not today anyway uh, ba, 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 ba. all right i think we are going to say that that is it uh there are a lot of great questions in here that we just unfortunately cannot answer today. Uh, if you want answers to a lot of your questions, uh, some of them may be found in the Magic Fiction that is on dailymtg.com right now. So we've got Kaito's origin story there, but it's not just about Kaito. It starts unraveling the modern world of Kamigawa and, and hinting at what's still there, um, hinting at some, some pieces that are yet to come. So definitely go check that out. Uh, there's another article on Daily MTG that's going to talk through uh, the previews that we talked about today, where to find them, how to find them, that sort of deal, give you a little taste, a little bit more information. And then for all of the information uh, on January 11th, here, let's put the dates back up on the screen one more time before we go. Uh, we are going to host a uh, creative roundtable online so you'll be able to watch uh, some of the minds behind the world of Kamigawa Neon Dynasty talk about its creation to answer a lot of these questions that many of you have been putting in chat about the world, about the characters, uh, about everything going on. And then between then and the 21st we're going to unravel a lot of what has happened between the original Kamigawa and now, so you'll, you'll get a sense of the transition in time. Uh, we're going to have one to two stories, uh, short stories each day. And then on January 24th through the 26th, we are going to hit uh, the story of Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. So you'll find out exactly what happens in this set. And then previews start in earnest on January 27th when we debut with kind of our normal debut stream and follow-up and preview bonanza. So that is it for today. Uh, thank you, Grace. Thank you, Mark, for joining us and uh, answering as many questions as you could and showing off uh, some, some of the awesome stuff. We've still got a lot more to unpack. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. This is our last show before the holidays. So we'll be back in January. Stay tuned for that and have a good